Hey everybody, and hello humans. This is Not A Robot's DC Comic Review Show. This week we enter month two of The Infinite Frontier, and we will be covering Suicide Squad number two, The Swamp Thing number two, Crime Syndicate number two, The Next Batman Second Son number one, Green Lantern number one, and Batman number 107. My name is Brandon, and today I've got my amazing co-host here with me, Rob. My name is Nico Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. <laughs> Love it. And Josh. Hello, humans. We're here to summarize, analyze, and editorialize every issue we cover without worrying about what the publishers think. We are on Twitter at NotARobotComics. Rob is at Rob underscore 2814. And I remain ever allergic to Twitter, but that may change someday. We answer all show mail sent to NotARobotComics at gmail.com. The next part is dedicated to those that support us with their hard-earned money, but that's not the only way you can. Like, subscribe, download, and share our episodes as much as possible. It helps get the word out, and that's the best kind of advertising. Now is the time to say a big thank you to the humans who help us support the podcast. They subscribe to our Patreon with tiers starting at just $1 a month so that we can make sure to keep bringing you more content. This is the Not A Robot Must Be A Human shout-out and roll call, and that shout-out goes to our humans, Weird Science Jim, Blue Mondays, Hollister, and Roch Crockett. A big salute to all of you and an even bigger thank you. So what are you waiting for? Sign up now and show us you just might be a human after all and get a shout out on the Not A Robot Must Be A Human roll call. So guys, what's new this week? Well, I, I managed to get a new service dog. She's oh, nice. already completely trained. She's got one thing left to learn and that's how to press a button. Mm-hmm. If she sees me go into a seizure, but that's it, man. Yeah, yeah awesome. there's this there's this program where if you press a button, it will go through Alexa, mm-hmm. um, go through this app, and if you pay five dollars a month to that app, you're able to put your information and have it stored there, and it'll mm-hmm. call nine one one for you. Oh yeah, Dang. heck yeah, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's really good. So I've got that. And now, well, there is the upcoming Robin number one. We knew it's it's going to have Connor Hawk in it, right? Mm-hmm. Rose Wilson is coming in, too. Sweet. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it sounds like some other, other fun little Easter eggs. I, I saw an interview with Josh Williamson who said he's basically going to use a bunch of the old Nightwing villains. So that was, that was fun. Nice. Well, look out for Blockbuster then, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> And then they announced some of the creative teams for the second round of the Around Robin books. I don't know if you guys had a chance to look at that. No, I oh, no. didn't. I, yeah. I have the next round of the Round Robin tournament, but Oh yeah, no. Some of them some of them like I think just got announced, but I'm looking at a couple of them. So the ones that actually progressed, obviously the Robin's book, and that's gonna be written by Tim Seeley, who did the Nightwing Rebirth. 
uh, book okay. and art by Baldemar Rivas. And that one's going against the Lobo Animal Man Scorched Earth, which is written by Heath Corson and Scott Hepburn. And I'm not too familiar with that creative team. Yeah. So then they have Green Lantern's Underworld on Fire. That's being written by Cinna Grace with art by V. Ken Marion, who did, I think, a like one arc on Hal Jordan in the Green... No, he did do one arc on Hal Jordan the Green Lantern Corps during Rebirth with uh, Rip Hunter. So it's nice to see him doing more Green Lantern work. And then that one is going against Zatanna and the King of Nightmares, which is written by the Soska Sisters and Vanessa Del Rey. I'm not familiar with the artist, but I do know the Soska Sisters because I think they do like horror movies and stuff, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I hadn't heard of them before. The name wasn't ringing a bell. Yeah. And then... Superman and Lois Ignition is going to be written by Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing with art by Vasco Georgiev. And that's going against Suicide Squad 7, which is being written by Rex Ogle and Diogenes Neves. I'm not too familiar with either of those creative teams, save for Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing. They did a couple issues of Grayson and Green Arrow. And then the final pairing is Blue Beetle Graduation Day. That's being written by Josh Trujillo with art by Adrian Gutierrez and then Jesse Quick Control, which is being written by Stephanie Phillips and art by David. And even though it'd be nice to have a Blue Beetle book, I, I'm, I'm a fan of Stephanie Phillips just because of her, her other works for Dark Horse. So I, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm kind of a sucker for that one, but we'll see. Yeah, we're, we'll definitely see. What do yeah, you guys but, think? Uh, now, last week I thought that those... The initial bracket, I thought it was pretty staggered. Mm. What did you guys think about this week? Well, the ones that progressed, I think, are all pretty solid in my opinion. Yeah. I agree with I that. I mean, it's it's sad because I'm almost 95% certain that Robbins is going to basically go to the top seed and win. But I really would like to see Jesse Quick, Blue Beetle, and Green Lanterns get approved. I mean, I know it's it's only one to win them all, but... It's unfortunate because I think a lot of these have, you know, pretty solid creative teams behind them and could stand as their own books. Honestly, I would I'd I'd love to see Lobo and Animal Man. I think that that would be cool as hell. Yeah, Blue I do too. Be- Blue Beetle, I would love Blue Beetle against anything, man. Jaime Reyes was so cool. That's the greatest thing that's ever happened to the Blue Beetles since they were invented. Best best Blue Beetle there is. But the one I really want to win is Zatanna and the King of Nightmares because I <laughs> have a sneaking suspicion that if that one, what did you did you say the creative team on that one? Yeah, that one is the Soska Sisters and Vanessa Del Rey. Yeah, that's, that's a bummer. It's not Ramfi. Oh no! I mean, I guess he's still doing Justice League Dark, so this will yeah. probably be like an out of continuity or. Mm-hmm you know, prior to the current Justice League Dark status quo, but I think it could be interesting. Yeah. Yeah, If the writers have a horror background, this looks like it's going to be an intense book. It might be a great read. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree. So yeah, it's a a tough one because I know for, for me personally, like there are three or four books that I would gladly take, even though I know that it's, it's basically already been decided. I mean, I love Tim Seeley, but I, we just, We've already got a Robin book going. Exactly. On. Yeah. You know, it's we've just... got all the Robins getting all of their. They're all coming into their own. They're all finally getting their own spotlight, like it should be. And we yeah. just we don't need a Robin's book. Yeah. No. I I made my point 
in our in our last last episode where I, I basically just said like just have an arc with the Robins yeah. in the Robin book. You don't need to make a separate book for that. Right. Just take the material that you would have for a new book and put it in the Robin book and just have that run for one story. Because it's going to be a limited series anyway, so you know why not just use the book you already have? But yeah. I don't know. It's unfortunate. It is. Now, you guys can go out there and find the descriptions at the DC Universe website and vote for your favorites in each bracket. Make sure they make it to the next round at DC Comics on Twitter. And it is always right at the top of their page, so you don't even have to go looking for it. But vote for Zatanna. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) All right. It's the first new comic book day of April, and we find ourselves returning to some old favorites. So to kick it off, let's start off with those wannabe do-gooders of death, the Suicide Squad. Josh, what's up with the Suicide Squad this month? Well, I don't know if this particular team could be called a wannabe (laughs) do-gooder. But uh, it was written by Robbie Thompson, who I think is writing this much better than he handled the Teen Titans run, by the way. The art inside and out came from Eduardo Pensica, Julio Fiera, and Marcelo Mialo. Those guys always team up, and it tongues... See, it just messed it up again. It ties my tongue in a knot. (laughs) And Wes Abbott is on the lettering. We start out in the middle of the Arkham Asylum attack that we saw back in the Batman book, and peacemaker i always want to call him peacekeeper but peacemaker and the rest of the suicide squad are there to break out william cobb the talon the team is made up of mind warp a telepath nocturna a vampire culebra who seems to be a little like juggernaut from marvel's x-men there's exit a teleporter who cool name and finally superboy connor kent all while the building is filling up with joker gas leaving a john doe body behind they get cobb out of the asylum with exit of course in the ruckus mind warps gas mask gets cracked and he's jokerized and so is exit because he didn't have a mask on though he's already opened up a portal so that they're able to get out of there connor kent wants to save everybody and that's not waller's plan so she zaps him with something it's all green with lightning so i automatically assume it's kryptonite related peacemaker and superboy start to argue on the other side of that portal And since Superboy is still under the influence of whatever Waller did to him, Peacemaker knocks him out one punch. After that, he goes to Waller and says, no one will stand in the way of his peace, not even her. In the last panels, Waller says that what they're missing is speed, and a picture of that new Flash is on the screen. Which, I'm cool that that they're coming into it. That's awesome. I Mm. love that fact. I'd love to see more of that Flash. Yeah, I, I didn't even realize that this is bad, but I, I kind of forgot that they'd even introduced a new Flash in Teen Titans Academy. And there are just so many new characters, I, I kind of forgot about that one. Well, I mean, it's it was just like when you start out reading Tom Taylor's Suicide Squad book. Yeah. There's so many new characters that it's really difficult to keep track of everything, mm-hmm. you know. But art was great, man. It always is from that team. And Robbie Thompson, like I said, he did this a whole lot better than his Teen Titans run, which I mm-hmm. gave him a lot of crap for, by the way. it was I gave this one a 7.5. I, I liked it. It was a fun run. Nice, nice. Rob, what did you think? Yeah, I, I agree. The art was fantastic. I, I loved it. It was a fun read. I hope that every issue we get more disposable villains because the creativity behind some of these is fantastic. Mm-hmm. 
though the design for exit at before i read the blurb on them honestly at first i thought it was vibe for some reason (laughs) just had that look to them yeah i hope they do explore though I, i love that they're going into the future state characters but i do hope we get to see how waller acquired connor like how she had him locked up in a prison because it just kind of happened yeah so it kind of sounds like she talked him into it and chained him up too that was my question well, where it's like how seems... did that happen well like i imagine he got baited there and she pulled huh. a fast one that sounds like amanda Waller. yeah that does yeah <laughs> well yeah it's it's been a fun ride so far i i can't wait to see more i gave this a seven out of ten myself yeah, no, I, I had a really fun time with it as well, and I, I like the kind of focus on Peacemaker in the in the beginning portion. I wasn't, I, I'm not overly familiar with the Suicide Squad's history, so I I didn't realize that he had, I guess, been a part of the team during an earlier iteration. But that was yeah. that was an interesting thing to learn. Like I know that there was the team in the '80s or something, but yeah, I wasn't I wasn't too familiar with that. So I like that focus, and then there's kind of the tension between him and connor so it'll be interesting to see them build on that but i had a good time so i gave this one a 7.5 out of 10. awesome yep what what do we got up next yep next we'll be taking a brief detour through the mystical side of the dcu with the swamp thing number two Mm -hmm. this issue was brought to us by the ever talented ram v with gorgeous artwork from mike perkins and mike spicer and letters from aditya bidikar For a brief moment, Levi Kamei is connected to everything in existence, to the larger interconnected web of life, before being thrown up back into Central Park in New York. When Levi returns to his friend Jennifer's apartment, she is naturally curious as to his whereabouts and activities. In an Arizona bar, we briefly catch up with the sheriff, who laments that he will be unable to escape from the horror of the Pale Wanderer and that his so-called desert quiet is all but gone. After some more reflection on his powers... Levi finds himself in the Arizona desert once more, facing the Pale Wanderer. After trading verses on whether Levi has found his true purpose, Levi accepts that he is a man connected to this strange phenomenon and is ready to move forward, beyond the Pale Wanderer. Levi, now connected with the Green, creates an incredible Indian banyan tree out of the Pale Wanderer. He finds a newfound acceptance in the Green and reconnects with Jennifer during the following morning. In the desert, the media takes interest to the tree's sudden appearance, as do a few other surprise guests, including a certain Dark Knight, which we will soon unpack in the upcoming issues. This issue did an excellent job exploring the human connection that the Green has with Levi and addresses in his conversations with the Pale Wanderer. I remain fascinated by the secret history between Levi and his family and the event that transpired prior to the first issue. I do wonder what really happened in the wetlands of Kaziranga and how Levi made his connection to the green. Mike Perkins, paired with the moody colors of Mike Spicer, highlight the particularly horrifying aspects of Levi's connection with the dream, with the green, and the grace of his acceptance. The creative team for this new Swamp Thing series have built upon the excellence of the first issue and have driven forward the horror, mystery, and drama of the series without fail. I give this issue an 8.75 out of 10, Definitely a 9.75 out of 10 on a bright and sunny day, which it happens to be for me right now. So that's pretty good. Right. Rob, what did you think? Yeah, the art, again, amazing. Is it Mike Perkins that did this? Yeah. Yeah. Mike Perkins knocking out of the park every issue Mm -hmm. so far. 
so many great panels. Mm-hmm. I hope this book goes a long way. But this this one's a limited series, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's only ten issues. issues. God, right? I hope, 12, I hope right? they recount that and just make it an ongoing because I yeah. want more of this team on this book for sure. Yeah, the story is really intriguing. Ram V writing is killing it just as good as Mike Perkins. I, I just want more. I don't want to put this book down. I know. I'm telling you, <laughs> Ram, Ram V is like easily one of my favorite creatives now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and so easily able to sell you on a new character. You know what yep. I mean? Like, I'm just... I, it's it's only two issues, and I'm already like I want to know what happens next with Levi. Like I'm so into this connection with the Green mm-hmm. and this like becoming horror aspect of the story. Yes, again, I'm not too knowledgeable on Swamp Thing's history, but I think it's a, a neat side to look at it if it hasn't been explored before. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting this connection and other characters kind of like him. I, I want more villains like that too. Yeah, I gave this a 9 out of 10. I just want more and more. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking awesome. of interesting and Ram V, if you if you guys haven't read it yet and you get the chance, check out Blue and Green. It's kind of oh, a yeah. slow build story, but it's awesome, man. Yeah. What's as funny, as, I when I, when I first read Blue and Green, I was kind of mixed on it just because I, I felt like there were some things in the, the plot that didn't really tie up. But I reread it recently, and it... I think the second reading for me really highlighted the strengths of the story. So I would definitely recommend that. And I would second picking up a book that he did for Vault. I know this is the DC show, but it's a book called These Savage Shores. It's absolutely incredible. It's uh, basically a foreign horror story involving the Indian mythological equivalent of vampires. So oh, definitely wow. check that, that out. That sounds cool as hell. Oh, yeah. Dude. So I, I agree with Josh. Ron V is like one of the most exciting writers at DC right now. One of the most exciting writers, period, in my opinion. Yeah. But what was that one? That that it's, title? It's called These Savage Shores. All right. I'll write mm-hmm. that one down. Oh, yeah. That up. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Josh, what, what did you think of this issue? The very first thing I noticed was that cover. And mm-hmm. it reminded me of like a, the cover of an old VHS tape for an 80s horror movie. <laughs> and I loved it, dude. It was so cool. And while we're on the subject of art, on the inside, I loved it as well, man. That that was beautiful. It's as far as story, it's like this perfectly mixed story about responsibility, love, and mm-hmm. surviving trauma. And it's it it's actually done in a way that I think that if somebody was going through those kind of things, it could actually help them through it. I mean, from the way that the story is being set up, anyway. Ram V writing Swamp Thing continues to be some of my favorite works coming out of DC, and that's over the past few years at least. This one gets a very easy 9 out of 10. Awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. All right, well, we've had our fun with Swamp Thing, but it's uh, it's time to get evil, Earth 3 <laughs> style, with our next issue. So, Rob, take us through Crime Syndicate number two. Who brought it to us and what it's all about? All right, so this one's from writer Andy Schmidt. Pencils by Kieran McCown. Inks from Dexter Vines. The colors are from Steve Olaf and letters by Rob Lee. So kind of picking up where we left off last issue. Owlman has gone off to fight some Staros and he's determined not to lose as it looks like he's on his way to Metropolis. They begin to overtake him, 
but before we see any more of that, we cut to the White House in Arnold, D.C., where Superman, President Queen, and his Secret Service staff are also getting their licks in with some Staros. Ultraman mm-hmm. arrives with a Starro attached to his chest, demanding someone comes with him. Everybody thinks they're talking. he's talking about President Queen, but Ultraman actually wants Superwoman. Starro needs her. Superwoman gets excited by this choice and goes for the attack first, tackling Ultraman through the Arnold Monument and into space where they collide with the International Space Station, I don't know if it has an evil name in that universe, killing the astronauts inside. Over in Gotham City, Owlman has survived his encounter and taken a star for examination. Connecting the dots on the invasion points, he realizes the Staros are only going after metahumans. They haven't attacked Gotham City because he dealt with the metahumans there years earlier. Starro has also been avoiding Coast City. Owlman suspects Emerald Knight over there knows something and reveals he has a lantern from a previous Emerald Knight. Superwoman and Ultraman land back in Arnold, D.C., where Johnny Quick arrives with the Starro attached to him as well, kicking Superwoman in the face. Now facing both Quick and Ultraman, Superwoman boasts the Amazons have fought Starro before and won. Just then, the Staros begin to scream due to Emerald Knight's arrival, slicing a giant sword construct into the Mother Starro. The voice inside Knight's ring is silenced, and a new voice is talking to him, asking him to shut up while he downloads what he needs from the ring. Also to get ready for the incoming, as Knight turns around to see Crime Syndicate reserves heading straight for him. The rest of the Syndicate are free from Starro, while Ultraman sees more incoming. Knight joins them as the voice tells him he's found a weakness, and Owlman appears, being the one that hacked the ring, and he has a plan. This is a fun ride. I, I don't know about you guys, I'm loving this. It's six issues, and I'm okay with that, but <laughs> it's... Right. I, I, I've just been fascinated by the crime syndicate in the past. The, the art's interesting, it's fun for what it is. I'm loving the story, and alternate universe versions of some of these characters, Oliver Queen being president... All those reserves is a fun twist. I don't think we've ever seen a more evil Starro before. These monster-looking Staros, some of them like mini kaiju's. Yeah, yeah. right. Or yeah. is I mean, is Starro evil in this universe, or is he good? Well, Starro's always kind of been evil, except at that very end of Oh God, I completely am blanking on the crossover where he at the very end kind of sacrifices himself. But there's there's Ben Jaro, that's Batman's yeah. kid. Oh <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I'm just wondering since this is Earth 3 and everything's kind of opposite, so would mm-hmm. Starro be a hero in this realm? Oh, this I would say like that's, with this Starro is uh, more monster-like where the other Starro is more like the psychic starfish. He's very uh, intelligent yeah. and just wants control mm-hmm. where this one looks like it just wants to destroy. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Okay, yeah. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, this issue was certainly better than the last one, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think it was an improvement. Yeah. yeah. The art looks nice, it's colorful, it's pretty easy to look at. It's not it's not my favorite style, but it's not bad. Yeah. The story is definitely easier to follow. And Rob's right. I mean, this book could actually end up being fun. I've never been a fan of a crime syndicate book before. And uh-huh. I'm not sold yet, but I do see the potential. So this one got a 7 out of 10 for me. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the same boat where, you know, eventually the novelty of it's your favorite heroes, but they're evil, is, is it's going to wear off eventually. So it's it's interesting to see them at least trying to have some fun and, and trying to be a bit inventive and 
how these warped versions of our favorite heroes are kind of going about business. So like Rob said, I liked seeing President Queen. I, I really like this version of Ultraman for some reason. I don't know. He just kind of works for me. And See, that's one thing that didn't work for me was the way really? he was talking. It oh, just, yeah. It drives me crazy. <laughs> it's like it's like Clark Kent, but a total dick. Yeah. Yeah, no. I, this this Ultraman, I think, kind of worked for me for some reason. But, yeah, I, I think I think the art is, is fine. I think it's weaker when they do close-ups on the faces because they tend to look a little bit smushed. Like yeah. someone's trying to learn how to draw a face but they haven't quite got it yet so I, that kind of i feel lost like it, it was for me a somebody bit. kind of trying to imitate howard porter yeah maybe a little bit i, I was thinking more like like rags morales there you go. who did identity crisis like you're, you're trying to get the sketchy quality but also trying to do a face and it's not really quite working but in any case i i had fun with the issue at least the story so i gave this one a seven out of ten Oh, same place here. Yep. yep. But there's more, it seems, as Owlman has a new origin story for us. So, Josh, what's going on with Owlman and who brought us this story? Okay, so I'm not a fan of the crime syndicate, but being such a Batman stan, I gotta mm. place my art for Owlman. This one's written by Andy Schmidt, and it's got art from Brian Hitch and Alex Sinclair, which has always been a great team. Mm-hmm. Uh, beautiful work. The story is a bit short. But it basically centers around Owlman's new origin. Really quickly, it's posed to him that his parents may have been criminals and that their deaths and his brother Bruce, all, they all died as a result of the, the Wayne screwing over mob boss James Gordon. And then that's where Owlman loses his code to kill, throws a, dude's off, throws a dude off a building, it's it's a cool story, man. Honestly, I really dig it. I just I kind of wish it was longer. Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, like, I it's wish like we could have had like a whole issue with this team. Yeah, just like kind an of all man one shot with Brian Hitch yeah. drawing would be, oh, that'd be solid. awesome. Six issues that would be yeah. cool. Actually, yeah. I'd settle for three. But yeah, um, or even or even just a longer backup because this yeah, was like right? what, three pages. It went so fast. This one I gave a seven five. The whole issue seven and a quarter. But pretty cool, man. Yeah, Rob, what did you think? Yeah, it's it's an interesting little story. I'm loving these backups in the issue. Just seeing kind of some of the new versions of these characters. Not all of them are new. New origins, at least. And again, like I said before, I love the opposite versions of these characters. Mob boss James Gordon just sounds insane. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, that's another thing. I, if they ever decide to do an Owlman one-shot with this team, give us mob boss James Gordon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and have him talk like an old mob boss. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, like James Gordon, but like sound like Carmine Falcone or something. Uh-huh. Yeah, all, all around, the, this backup story definitely brought the issue up a bit for me. So for the whole book, I gave a 7.5. Yeah, no, I was in the I was in the same boat. I really loved the backup. Wish it could have been longer. I just I I loved the panel of this sounds sadistic, but I just I love the panel where he's just holding the guy upside down because um, <laughs> yeah. it, it just looks so cool. I mean, I love the the redesign that they gave for Owlman's costume. I, I think I kind of prefer it to the one that they had during the New Fifty Two. This one looks a little more streamlined. Mm-hmm. It um, does. It. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember this 
dude from way back in the day. I think it was Image Comics, but his name was Shadowhawk. I yes, yeah, he, he yeah, kind of uh, looked like a heavy metal version of Batman, and I feel yeah. like this one got a lot of inspiration from that. And I, oh yeah, I can it see looks that. cool as hell, man. I like it. Yeah, yeah. So no, I, I I prefer this costume, and I. I I like the story short as it was, and it, it definitely brought the, the issue up a little bit for me. So I ended up giving the backup story an 8 out of 10, which averaged out the entire issue to a 7.5. So, so it's a nice issue. Definitely pick it up. For sure. Yep. All right. We'll be back to cover the rest of the issues right after this commercial break. And we are back. Hope that wasn't too horrible. Thanks for sticking with us. Next, we'll be taking a look at the illustrious Fox family of Gotham City as they juggle with the return of Tim Fox, the next Batman of the future. This issue, while originally presented in digital installments, was brought to us by writer John Ridley, artist Tony Akins, and travel foreman with inks from Mark Morales, colors from Rex Locus, and letters from Darren Bennett. In the jungles of Vietnam, Tim Fox stalks the wealthy home of millionaire Tyler Arcadine, looking for answers as to his current activities. After breaking into his home and alerting security after attempting to download some files, Tim is forced to flee the home and return to his crappy hotel where he should find who else but Grifter, current bodyguard to Lucius Fox, who informs him that it's time to come home. At a Gotham City airport, Tim returns to Gotham with the loving embrace of his mother, sister Tiff, and other sister Tamra. Only, he's not Tim anymore. He's Jace, and he insists that's who he shall be from now on. At City Hall, Mayor Nakano offers famed detective Renee Montoya an offer that is hard to refuse, and she informs him she'll consider it. After breaking up a racist shooting at a local supermarket, Batwing, a.k.a. Luke Fox, deals with the new status quo for police in Gotham, while Grifter fills Lucius in about Jace's activities, or at least those he is aware of in Vietnam. Lucius, knowing that the deposition over his newfound Wayne fortune is coming up, fears that Tim's sanity could play a role, but Grifter reassures him that only he can fix Jace if he's broken. Tim attempts to get reacquainted at home, but is given the cold shoulder from his brother Luke and feels distance from his other sister Tamra, despite her wanting to get closer to her estranged brother. Tim feels like he has nothing left in Gotham City and contemplates that. In the aftermath of the Joker's attack on Arkham Asylum, Batwing attempts to gain information from one of his old henchmen to no avail. At Foxtech, Lucius attempts to reconcile with his son to prepare for the deposition, but Jace rebukes him, stating that he'll be completely honest to the deposition with no filters in place. Meanwhile, Rene Montoya, horrified by the carnage of the Arkham attacks, accepts the position as the new commissioner of the GCPD. At the Fox residence, tensions are high between Luke and Jace as they throw insults at each other in brotherly fashion. But the tension proves to be too much for Tamra as she momentarily collapses in front of Jace, shocked at the state of her health. I've been following this digital series from the start, and I am fascinated by this exploration of the Fox family, particularly with the reintroduction of long-forgotten character Timothy Jace Fox. His presence causes such a stir in their lives, particularly when so much has changed recently with the addition of the Wayne fortune. There's really no telling how much more complicated Tim's presence will make things, but we'll have to see. The art team, particularly the work done by Travel Foreman, is very excellent with clean line work to capture the emotive expressions of each character and bombastic action when necessary. So 
I particularly enjoyed this issue. I felt that the art did a great job at highlighting the drama and action of this gritty family story, and I gave this an 8.25 out of 10 and a 9.25 out of 10 on a bright sunny day. Rob, what did you think about the next Batman Second Son number one? Yeah, I am loving this. I did start to follow it on digital when it first showed up, but I kind of fell mm-hmm. behind on it catching mm-hmm. up with this. It's a fun ride. It's it's interesting to see this side of the Fox family and even seeing more of the Fox family, seeing yeah. them all together. And bringing Tim Fox back, Jace Fox now, is wonderful. And to see this dynamic that we saw hints of during Future State and to see mm-hmm. more of it now is interesting. It's exciting. And to see, knowing what happens, to see where it goes and how those pieces start to come together... John Ridley knows this character. Oh, yeah. It feels like. Yeah, and a a fully formed character that fits in nicely with the family. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, this is, it's a good book. I'm loving this. I gave this a 7.5 simply because it was digital first. Not that that should put it down, but Uh it's, digital first doesn't always have the same feel as like a a proper physical book. So for that, it just got a 7.5 out of me, but it's a fun book. It's a great read. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Josh, what did you think? I I am in the same boat as Rob. I had to drop it half a point just because it is a digital reprint because I get really aggravated with them using us as a focus group to find out what they're going to put in our hands. But when it comes to the next Batman, like not only did I enjoy the character and how he was written in the Future State story, but I loved the beginning of it. I know it's just a reprint, but it's so good. I really hope that we get to see more Jace, like, really soon after this run and written by Ridley. I think that enough people are into this that they should just put it in a book. I'm I'm fairly certain that I never want anybody but Ridley writing this book either. <laughs> uh, yeah. Right? yeah, I don't ever. think it would work. The art, I thought, was really good, so keep the whole team together. But it is a little bit thick, a little bit blocky, but it, I think it fits the action and the story really well. It oh, just yeah. works. Man, I gave this one an 8 out of 10. It was mm-hmm. It was pretty good. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting to see Travel Foreman do, you know, a kind of, like, family book almost which is what this essentially was because i usually think of it like travel foreman is someone that i knew from animal man Mm -hmm. during the new 52 and that was like a very horror centric book so this is like so good though oh yeah it was so good but yeah it's it's a it's an interesting fit to see him here but uh, a pleasing pleasing treat nonetheless so yeah i really enjoyed it but our next issue finds us way outside of Gotham City and deep in space with the Green Lantern Corps in the first issue of the new Green Lantern series. Will this writer have what it takes to live up to Grant Morrison? Let's find out. Rob, take us through this first issue and who brought it to us. I don't know how I feel how you said that yet because I don't know if you're going to like what I have to say. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. So writer Jeffrey Thorne. Mm -hmm. This man's killing it so far for me. Art by right. Dexter Soy and Marco Santucci. The colors by Alex Sinclair. And letters by Rob Lee. So starting awesome team right there. Oh, definitely. Awesome team. Oa is under attack, with John leading the charge. Simon arrives to find out what's going on, but is told to find Kelly, the Teen Lantern, and get her out. 
A Thanagarian appears shouting this attack is on the lanterns as the damage is caused by what appears to be described as a green cyclone. John insists it isn't them. We cut to two hours earlier. Oa was at peace, hosting the United Planets Conclave. John and Hal, as a communication construct, are flying over the crowd discussing how big this conclave is. The Thanagarian from later flies by and introduces herself as Emira Kalan, the captain of the United Planets Brigade. She alludes to the conclave being on Oa as a sign of how much the lanterns are no longer needed. As she flies off, the Guardians request a report from Hal. He is on Earth with the Justice League. Jessica Cruz is in Sector 0123 protecting Oshiha's moon. And Kyle is taking care of a skirmish in the Vega system. The Guardians now request John meet them to discuss Teen Lantern. We find she passed all the tests given to her, but refuses to remove the gauntlet for examination. John asks Simon to take Kelly to the festival while John and the Guardians talk. The gauntlet is not Corona's gauntlet, nor is it of Owen origin. Apart from that, they have no idea what it is. As they fly together to the main hall for the United Planets, the Guardians show interest in John's opinions on choices made. Out of all the lanterns, he is unique, having been a Guardian as well as a lantern. They enter the hall to hundreds of alien species. The speaker in the center begins to explain the decision to be made of accepting Oa into the United Planets. Outside, as Kelly and Simon enjoy the festival, they are interrupted by element-based aliens that claim the Guardian stole half of the cosmos' magic heart. Back in the United Planets Conclave, the speaker introduces herself as Peta Fell of New Kolu. Dropping some logic on the ambassadors, she recommends Oa be accepted in. The vote begins, but John is called by Simon about a situation happening outside. The elementals are from a planet called Xerox, a sorcerer's world, and they are performing a spell to summon Atmatentrim. We find out the magic heart they claim the Guardian stole is the Star Heart. Glowing yellow tentacles shoot out from the ground all over the city. John and company rush to action, and now we are back to where the story began. Inside the conclave, Sinestro is with a band of yellow lanterns representing New Korugar. Not surprisingly, they vote not to accept Oa. Back outside, John is met by a mysterious man that claims to have studied the Book of Oa. He describes Atmantentrim as a source of peace, and that it's built as a riddle as much as a weapon. John then has a plan. He calls all Green Lanterns to get Red Lanterns off planets and meet over to power down. They do so while chanting the oath. Atmantentrim starts to shrink and becomes a little ball. Back inside the Conclave, the vote is in and Oa has been accepted. A representative from Xerox is unhappy with this decision and fires a fire arrow at a guardian, striking him and killing him instantly. Oh. Okay, so if Josh is Batman stand, <laughs> and if Brandon's a Nightwing stand, <laughs> I am definitely a Green Lantern stand. This is what I've been waiting for. Grant Morrison's Green Lantern, as interesting as it looked, just isn't... It didn't excite me. It's not what I was looking for, and this got me so excited. The <laughs> class... Down to the logo. The classic logo. I love that. It There's so much going on. This exercised issue. Even just highlighting the six Earth Lanterns for a brief period, even though they weren't all in the book, was just kind of like a squeal moment for me. <laughs> <laughs> I think bringing Oa into the United Planets is a brilliant idea as well. Just having that idea. And the United Planets was part of Bendis' run on Superman, wasn't it? 
Well, I mean, if I'm not it, mistaken, it, it's been around for a long time in the future with the Legion and, of Superheroes. Yeah. But to bring it more modern day, I think that was that was Bendis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The yeah. the cool part about the whole Oa joining the United Planets part was them admitting that they're not the the present gods that they mm-hmm. made themselves out to be. Yeah, it was a nice touch. And on top of that, having Guy Gardner as an ambassador, as much as that seems like a good idea, it also seems like a terrible idea. Because <laughs> he's going to get into a lot of fights with people. The Starheart, that's Alan Scott's ring, I think, is what it is. And if they bring that, if they bring him into the fold as well and bring him into the story somehow, I'm going to be even more excited. Isn't he, he is supposed to be on that whole Justice League space deal the one with barry allen yeah yeah Yeah, but if if he has the star heart and these aliens are going looking for it i suspect maybe they're gonna maybe even just like a brief appearance i don't know alan scott's always been for me at least more of a like a mystical hero not really a green lantern cosmic hero and I just I, I'm I'm not always the biggest fan of like trying to connect him to the core because it just it doesn't really work like for me if you were gonna put you know Alan Scott on a team outside of the JSA and I know this might seem like an odd choice but I think the most fitting place for him I know he was on Checkmate too but the most fitting place outside of Checkmate and JSA for me for Alan Scott would be Justice League Dark actually yeah. just because it would it would really connect him to the other mystical heroes plus he's already worked alongside dr fate you're i mean i can't argue with you man other yeah, than yeah, i would put point. justice league dark above checkmate any day oh yeah yeah and i would i would prefer him to be on justice league dark yeah or justice society dark Ooh. <laughs> featuring solomon grundy yeah yeah <laughs> solomon grundy dr fate rags morales uh, or not Rags Morales. Rags Morales. Um, <laughs> Ragman. Ragman. Spectre. Yes. And Zatanna. Oh, oh, my God. We should oh, pitch yes. this series. Wait, Zatanna or Zatara? Because yeah. Or like... Zatara. Yeah, Zatara. Because yeah. he was a, yeah. a Golden yeah. Age hero at first. Okay. Oh, I, man, I think we got a story here. Oh, my God. Here. Okay, yep. who's got DC's number? Hey. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I had a blast reading this. Now, it, I did want to score it higher but because it's the opening issue and that a lot of it is just kind of world building right now it did score a little lower but i imagine i'm going to be super excited with the next few issues so i gave this an 8.5 out of 10 i know that seems high and i'm saying it's a little low but i i expected fully to give this well over a nine nice josh what did you think <laughs> what did i think i thought wow my dudes <laughs> yeah i am not normally a john stewart fan I was a bit too old to get caught up in all of the ways that they brought him in and made him popular. And I had read a few stories with him in it, but those ones were boring. And I know he got great stories later on, but I just, I haven't got to, you know, I haven't read them. I got Jess, Simon, Kyle, and Hal to tra- keep track of, and that's enough. But anyway, this isn't definitely not the case. This isn't boring at all. And the artwork is phenomenal. The, the story was great. I really liked the way that they did this, but the, the artwork, man, it was so amazing. There was one exception to that. Can you guys guess what it was? I don't know. It was when the Yellow Lanterns show up, man. Sinestro's <laughs> oh. face looks goofy <laughs> as hell. Yeah, and I don't really like those costumes, if I'm being honest. No, they no. They were a little weird. Yeah, they were. But yeah. I'm, I'm 
overall, man, I am really looking forward to where this goes. I gave this an 8.5 out of 10, too. Nice. Well, this this may surprise you, but I, I've made it no secret that I was a, a very big fan of Grant Morrison's Green Lantern. Mm-hmm. I read it from day one, not expecting much, but it, I was absolutely blown away just in the way that it kind of tried to, to push forward some new ideas in the mythology and really try and be its own thing while also kind of being a, a fun throwback to the one-and-done Silver Age kind of storytelling. So I that was a run that, that really was near and dear to my heart and very personal to me. Uh, for this first issue, as, as much as I hate to say it, it didn't really do it for me. I, I found myself bored during a lot of parts of it, particularly oh, during no. the... I know, I know. Particularly during the parts with the United Planets. I, I wanted to be as engaged in that as, as others were, but it just it wasn't doing it for me. That, those parts did kind of drag on. I feel yeah, like the conversation was a little dense there. For for yeah, for my sake it just it was like page after page of just like long plotting monologues about why Oa is fit or not fit to join. And it's kind of like, you know, if you said it once, we kind of get the idea already. But It's like watching intergalactic C-SPAN. Exactly. Or, or uh, a very dull episode of West Wing. But, <laughs> yeah, but, but I think conceptually, this, this issue was more appealing to me than the actual execution. And I just want to get this out of the way. The art by Dexter Soy is absolutely amazing. Pick up the issue just for that. So, so good. He is an artist that I've loved since Red Hood and the Outlaws. He was yep. doing Batman and the Outsiders too. He's so amazing. I, I, the second artist, I think his name is Marco Santucci. He's pretty good too. That mm. sounds mean, but he, he did some <laughs> solid work. So the art team knocked it out of the park. But yeah, for me, I, I just, I don't know. I, I found myself missing the, I guess, free and fun of, of <laughs> uh, Grant Morrison's Green Lantern. But I'm hoping that... It can pick up in the second issue, but I know for me, this was not the debut that I was looking for. And on one final note, I think I was just expecting more focus on Jon Stewart because they brought in a lot of other lanterns, which normally I wouldn't have a problem with that. Yeah, normally I wouldn't have a problem with that, but you know, this is called Green Lantern, not Green Lantern Core. So I guess with the relaunch, I was expecting more emphasis on john but i mean i don't know like it's it's great to see simon and it's nice to see them trying flesh out teen lantern but i i hope that they'll just settle down and focus on one uh, and if that happens to be john that would be more interesting for me but i actually ended up giving this one a six out of ten didn't quite live up to my expectations but you know you can't win them all so <laughs> that's where i was yeah. but Finally, let's go back to Gotham City and catch up with Batman as he goes face-to-face with the Scarecrow and the Unsanity Collective in Batman number 107. Josh, get us up to speed on Batman and who brought it to us. Well, you mentioned Dexter Soy about in the last review here, mm-hmm. and I personally think he is the second-best artist in DC and oh, probably wow. in the last five years. That's high praise. Second-best. The first one is going to be, for me, Jorge Jimenez, man. Oh, yeah. It, oh, my God. he's Everything he does is gorgeous. The cover was done by Tomu Mori, and it was written, of course, by James Tiny Onion Tinian IV. And the wonderful lettering, literally made for Batman stories, is brought to us by Clayton Cowles, 
who, oh, yeah. and I've said it before, and I will say it again, and probably multiple times, yeah. he's got the best last name to be a part of the Batman books, does he not? No, yeah. <laughs> and he's a wizard with those letters, man. Yes, I mean, the stuff with Scarecrow was like, it was great. Sick, mm-hmm. dude, it was cool. But anyway, let's get back to the book. The Scarecrow still has Bruce Wayne, and Batman is doing everything he can to fight back against his influence. He's not very successful, and this is while all of Gotham is aware that Scarecrow is on the loose, and that's because he left a message inside of Nakano's home. That's where we saw the Scarecrow at the end of the last issue. You guys pointed out that he was actually in the room. You were right. (laughs) So the time frame given puts us at exactly one month past the attack on Arkham, and the leader of the Unsanity Collective is saying that it is nothing but a front put up by the government. Meanwhile, Batman was trying to investigate the normal toxin-free scarecrow that Crane placed at Nakano's house. That was the message. Montoya, the new police commissioner, shows up with the GCPD and orders Batman to leave or he'll be arrested. With a flashbang grenade, Batman leaves. Which I probably would have chosen that too. Harley, yeah. <laughs> Harley shows up calling herself Batman's new official sidekick, which is cool, and she's on the scene taking out a bad guy. As it turns out, she's trying to help him, too. GCPD shows up and Harley fights back when she sees the backup. Ghostmaker shows up and actually saves Harley. She wants to keep her motorcycle, and I can't blame her. That's pretty cool. But bikeless, she is rescued. And, dude, I love the way Harley is drawn. That is absolutely beautiful, man. It's so gorgeous. You know who I think I love his rendering of the most? I think it's Oracle. I, yes. I don't know what it is, but his or I think his Oracle might be the best I've ever seen. Yeah, uh, I, that's high praise, but it's like it's just really good. And I love the way that he like illuminates all the screens in the clock tower. It's just amazing. It, when he shares his line work on Twitter, it just drops yeah. my jaw. Oh, and man. then seeing it colored in, I know I'm jealous. I wish I could draw like that. Tell me about it. next now help me out with this part this lady shows up with two plant looking dogs beside her talking to someone named Rex about how she and I assume that means Harley is back in Gotham and that means there's still hope who is that chick I assume she was somebody new yeah new character okay I guess her Rex and the two plant looking dogs I don't assume it would be metamorpho but where else is she going to get two plant-looking dogs besides Poison Ivy? Unless she's... Unless she is Poison Ivy. Mm-hmm. Oh. Maybe. That, that would be different. Yeah. Like, like Poison Ivy... I, in the short Harley Quinn Poison Ivy 6 issue from a couple of years ago now, I think, like Poison Ivy showed the ability to grow different versions of her, so maybe this is just a new version. Oh, those plant dogs to me are like a dead giveaway, but I mean that's the first thing that came to my head. But I wasn't, I wasn't aware of her ever being a brunette. Like yeah, even when I... she made her copies, they were still redheads. Yeah, mm-hmm. and green. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But anyway, so next up is a meeting between Barbara Gordon and Batman, and like Brandon said, Barbara Gordon is. It's oh, it's just spectacular, man. I know. And uh, that's where she tells Bruce that they are breaking out a new bat signal system. And it's also decided that if Batman wants to 
put a stop to the Unsanity Collective, he is going to have to join them. Now, on the other side of the bad guy coin, we see that Simon Saint, the man that's pushing for the magistrate, he's basically mm-hmm. under the influence of the Scarecrow. I mean, that's the impression that I got. The Scarecrow's pretty much working him. And the story wraps up with a full page of Bruce attempting to get into the Unsanity Collective as matches Malone. <laughs> but, well, he's going by match this time. But, oh, man, this every single page, every single panel is yeah, absolutely so gorgeous, to look man. At. Jorge has a story upcoming in Batman Black and White. I'm so excited to see him do a story in Black and White because it's going to look like absolutely incredible. Like what you said, when he posts his stuff on color, it's amazing. So I want to see a full story like that, and we'll get to see it soon. That's going to be awesome, man. Yeah. I honestly I can't stop looking at the pages. I mean, <laughs> Batman looks awesome, Harley looks awesome, Scarecrow looks awesome, everything looks awesome. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then the uh, the story, it's the the story is great too, man. It's sweet. I am fully invested in this thing. I gave it mm-hmm. a 9 out of 10. Awesome, awesome. Rob, what did you think? Yeah, I, I cannot give enough praise for Jimenez's art. Like he like there's not much more to say after everything we've said so far. I'm looking at that last page with match right now. And I just can't look away the colors and the shading, the lights on this jacket are interesting, but I guess that's like the futuristic style they might be going for. The Mm -hmm. reflection from the neon lights outside the bar. Yeah. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. I, I had such a fun time just staring at it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I know. Right. (laughs) Like I, man, I would kill for like a framed eight by ten artwork by by Jorge. I oh know, my God. right? Yeah. I want to get some of his pages from Infinite Frontier. Those oh, great. that would oh, be yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah. I I'm also like I love match or matches Malone. I I find that that side <laughs> of Bruce to be so interesting, just cool. Yeah, he's got this other persona he can go to and how nobody's figured it out yet yeah he's got he's got (laughs) he's got batman bruce wayne he's got batman bruce wayne matches malone and then the what's it called the batman of zoran r or whatever oh yeah straight yeah that one was just weird but (laughs) yeah yeah. right (laughs) (laughs) also when i got to the end of the issue i realized i was just thinking about it there's the character development with the whole bat fam over the past few years if you think like five years ago where they were and where they are now is completely different and i think that's one of the most fascinating things about this is that you can have uh, the writing in this is fantastic but you could have any writer pick up and just make something new out of it and it's like a completely different book from what it was five years ago uh-huh. like the scott snyder era is practically forgotten about compared to what we're getting now yeah, but they're you know they still have their importance in a way. Oh, for you sure. Kind of look right. on yeah. them and and remember. Like I, you know, I'll, I still remember the you know the time of like the Court of Owls. Like that was a, an interesting and fun time. It right? really and, was. And, you 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 didn't know what was coming next. Yeah, and even even like the early parts of of Rebirth with the Bat Family, where you had the Gotham Knights and Detective Comics and. Nightwing was like taking down the Parliament of Owls, and you know everyone kind of had their own thing. And Damien was with the Teen Titans, or was just starting out, and all that stuff. So it's it's interesting to look on different eras and mm-hmm. and think about them. I miss Batman Inc. 
I know nobody liked yeah. that, but I know I, 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 I do it. too. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's just an interesting structure to have, but it yeah, really was, know. but it explained it, it. It allowed everything to be explained. It basically gave Bruce Wayne a tax credit for supplying yeah. Batman with his stuff. Where yeah. where Morrison went with all of that, including Damien dying, mm-hmm. the the reaction that Batman had oh, was yeah. oh my god! I mean that yeah. was some some of the best comic writing, dude. It the, the the when he was in the the basement that laboratory. And he was tearing apart Frankenstein, trying to find a way to bring his kid back to life. Yeah, yeah. What about me? Like turned himself into a bat and charged on top. There, there, there are a lot of great moments from that so second moments. Batman Incorporated run. But you just brought like a, a bad memory back for me with that series, though, because I was collecting each issue. <laughs> and when DC released the press release that Robin was going to die. Oh, my LCS ran out of those, those issues, that issue so fast. And to this day, that's the only one I can't find. Oh, damn. Yeah, <laughs> no, that must be a hard one. I will keep my eye out. Everybody out there, keep their eye out to drop us a message. Let us find the <laughs> issue. Yeah. Yes. Just for, just for, yeah. going to say, I, I had a really fun time with this issue and I, I could just, I, I'm, I'm with Josh. I could look at Jorge Jimenez's art. Forever and ever, I would never get tired because this uh, Batman is so excellent, yes. and it's just like it's so funny. When he was first like announced that he was going to draw this book, I was kind of wary about it because I always saw him as more of like a Justice League guy because he was doing Justice League at the time with Scott Snyder. And I was like, I don't know if he's going to have you know like the grittiness that you need for Gotham City. And then like the first pages came in, and I was like, yeah, that's a bunch of bullshit. He's absolutely ready for this book, and he did not disappoint. So. Yeah, no, I could just, I, I absolutely love the art, and there's so many just great panels in here. But, yeah, I had a lot of fun with the story. I think I'm more interested to see what's going on with Scarecrow than with the Unsanity Collective right now. So that's, it feels like we might take a little while to get there, but I'm hoping that they can kind of find a way to make them intertwine. Because it feels like it's, they're very separate right now, even if they're trying to make a connection, but... Yeah, I ended up giving this one just, I think, I, I ended up scoring this one just a little bit lower because I, I felt like it, it was a little bit dense with the plot and wasn't, I guess, wasn't moving things as fastly as I might have liked. But yeah, I, I ended up giving that. this one a, a 7.75 out of 10, but I would feel very comfortable giving this one an 8.5 out of 10 on a sunny day. And it just so happens that it is where I am. So uh, just, <laughs> just take that as an eight point. Yeah, yeah. take take that as a, take that as an eight point five, if you will. So so yeah. It has been gray and cloudy and raining all day. Where oh I'm yeah, at. no, that that's it's been sunny for like the past couple of days, and I'm just waiting for it to end because I know it's only a matter of time. So I'm just trying to enjoy it while I can. Right. Um, <laughs> We've been talking a lot about art this episode and uh man just throwing this out there i would love to see some kind of it would be beautiful and crazy to look at at the exact same time but if we could get some kind of collaboration between jorge zermanico with jordi belair doing those colors oh my god i just i want to see it so bad yeah they should that should be the uh, the team for infinite frontier for the miniseries i'd read the crap out of that right i mean i'm planning to but i'd love to see him do like some more big cosmic stuff after Justice League. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. man. And, and apparently he, Jorge, is like a crazy fast artist. So mm-hmm. in all honesty, I feel like he could knock out, you know, maybe if him and Zermanico were, you know, doing 
the art on on issues like kind of half and half like with uh, Mitch Garrods and Doc Shaner on Strange Adventures. Right. It could probably knock those pages out pretty fast and still be able to do Batman. So I don't know. I'd be down for that. I would totally be down for that. Even if I have to wait until he's off of Batman. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. But while Bruce goes undercover, let's take a moment and see what Ghostmaker is up to, or at least what he was up to prior to his time in Gotham City. Not exactly sure how the timeline works here, but uh, let's take a look. So over in the South China Sea, Ghostmaker, post-coitus, plans his assault on a mysterious island with his AI icon. Meanwhile, on Devil Skull Island, a new cabal of villains led by the crime master Madame Midas debate on how to handle the Ghost Maker. And I'm just going to take a minute. I didn't write this down, but I just want to list off the names of each of the people in the cabal because mm-hmm. they're so crazy. <laughs> but they are the instigator who is a giant lizard Razor Lion, who's kind of like a, a mummy ninja. <laughs> Kid Kawaii, who I'm guessing is like a young assassin, but is dressed in like like Japanese schoolgirl clothing and has like a, what looks like a COVID mask, but it's just a mask. And then uh, Brainstorm, who is like this goth guy dressed in a, in a red scarf. And so this is the cabal under Madame Midas on Devil Skull Island. I just wanted to point that out so you can get the, a full colorful picture of what this cabal actually is. And I would, I would hate myself if I didn't mention it. And they're, su- they're all super weird, too. They, yeah. It, oh, yeah. <laughs> it reminds me of, what was that, Donny Cates comic book run? The, the Paybacks? The Paybacks, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're yeah. crazy personalities there. Like the reptile guy, he was, yeah. he was a kung fu master. A martial yeah. arts master, and then he got turned into a reptile. <laughs> it, uh, they were all goofy, man, but anyway. Yeah, but anyway, Madame Midas reveals to the group that she leaked the location of the island to Ghostmaker and that she invited the Cabal to deal with him right then and right now. Ghostmaker then lands on Devil Skull Island, a mile off from the fortress. He is suddenly ambushed by what you may ask? robotic tigers and that's the end of our short story Mm -hmm. so this one was pretty cool i i I know for for me i I really dug the art and it kind of had like this manga feel to it i don't know if you guys picked up on that but it definitely worked with some of the some of the action towards the end and it was just really kind of cool to see this i guess side story for ghost maker and it works because it's you know it's only like eight pages so it's not a full issue which i think is is, is enough for me with Ghostmaker. Yeah. But I had a fun time with it, so I ended up giving this one a uh, 7.75 out of 10 as well. Uh, so my full issue score just averages out to 7.75. But Josh, what did you think? Uh, I say the same thing, man. This works. It took me a second for my eyes to adjust to the style of lettering used for Icon. <laughs> which, all right, let me just say this. Icon? I mean, Really? I don't know about you guys, but I have been waiting for a long time for a promised renewal of Milestone Comics, and you take one of yeah. the biggest names from Milestone, probably second only to Static, and Yeah, you put it in the biggest DC <laughs> comic book. That's kind of a dick move, man. Yeah, well, it's, I know they're doing the, the whole like Milestone relaunch in June, but yeah, that was a weird name to have. It was. Just, I mean, if it's an oversight, it's a dumb one. I'm just yeah. saying. But anyway, past that, I can't really tell when the story occurs, before or after teaming up with Batman. I'm assuming before, but yeah. that doesn't really matter, though. It it 
The story is interesting and it paints the motivation behind Ghostmaker's vigilante activities and how much of a slut he is. He wants to <laughs> He wants yeah. to shut down criminals as violently as possible and take all of their money and throw in the occasional threesome. All right, I'm in. What can I say? The art is too good, and the story is too intriguing to give it anything less than an 8.5, and that gives the whole issue uh, 8.75 for sure. Nice. Nice. Rob, how did you feel? Again, the art was fun. The story was fantastic so far for me. The backup characters they have, the Cabal, just... Not twisted, but just crazy. Mm-hmm. I, I keep thinking of Kid Kawaii. They they got her described as a ferrofluid assassination robot. <laughs> right. Kid Kawaii is just so much to unpack, and I doubt we'll ever get an, an explanation for that. And I'm okay with that. Just have that mystery. It's great, yeah, especially yeah, for right. that one. Yeah, <laughs> we were talking earlier about Batman Incorporated, which is a part of the Grant Morrison Batman run, and it got me thinking about like the uh, the cabal that Grant had during his Batman run, the Black Glove, and it was kind of like this mix of like weird, eccentric characters like Flamingo and Professor Pig and Scorpia and Dr. Hurt. So it's, it's kind of fun to, to see like this odd batch of, of characters in a group in a Batman story. It's always nice to see that. Although I guess this is technically a Ghostmaker story, so we're giving him his own cabal, but yeah. yeah. It was a lot of fun. I, I do dig the manga style. That was a, an interesting take on it. Mm. It's just a lot of fun, and I want to see more of Ghostmaker. When they introduced him, I've been very curious about his backstory. Yeah. yeah it's great to see. Yeah. So overall, with this book, I gave it an 8.5. Ghostmaker backup definitely brought the score up more. Right. It's just a great, great, great issue. Mm. All right, all right. And now it's time to pick the top three books of the week and your favorite panel slash moment of the week. So, Rob, what was your favorite panel of the week? And I guess start first with the top three books of the week. And then what was your favorite panel slash moment for this week? All right, so my top three, starting with number three, I had Batman. Like I just said, it's a great read, fun issue. The backup was fun. Mm -hmm. It just makes me want more. Number two was Green Lantern. Like I said, I'm a Green Lantern stan. It may not have been everything I was looking for, but it's definitely on the right track of what I'm looking for. And number one, I had to give the Swamp Thing. Again, just fantastic for Ron V and Perkins. Just keep this team together for a long time. Oh, yeah. Right. On anything. Swamp Thing, anything else. Yeah. Zatanna. Justice League Dark. Anything dark. Anything mystical. Anything. Anything horror-based. Yes. Anything, anything. Yes, definitely please, horror more I, I would love to see what they could do even outside of horror yeah together i, I brought yeah. up zermanico earlier and a book with with ram v and zermanico would be just sick dude yeah well there's that brief and i know that there are like a bajillion batman books out right now but like there's that panel at the end where perkins draws batman just like a brief panel and it got me thinking for like a split second if he had an arc, Rom V and Mike Perkins in, I don't know, Detective Comics or something. Oh, Not be, taking over the book be. necessarily, because I love the creative team who's there right now. Right. But, you know, yeah. you want to do an annual or a, a brief two-parter or something, you know, go for it. Hell yeah, I'd be down for an annual. That'd be cool as hell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so what was your uh, favorite panel slash moment of the week, Rob? 
So my best panel, despite all the great panels and it's like every page in Batman, I gave this to Swamp Thing. That splash title page with the mm-hmm. transformation sequence was just eye-catching. It was fantastic. I loved that. The stuff in the background, just the it had horror and comic book feel to it. It was just laid out wonderfully. Awesome, awesome. And Josh, what were your top three books for this week and your favorite panel and moment for the week? I'm, man, my top three. It my okay. Green Lantern was cool, man. I enjoyed it. I know you weren't a fan of it, but that was fun. Coming in at second place is gonna be Batman. I enjoyed both of those stories, but Swamp Thing took it, man. Like Rob said, it was just fantastic. And for my favorite moment, it was really, <laughs> it was really, really hard to pick, man. Because number one, everything Jorge does is is gorgeous. <laughs> I, I mean, there's this panel where Batman is creeping up against the wall. It's not yes. a splash. Oh, it's, that was going to be mine. It, it's so well. That's I'm giving that honorable mention, man. It's not yeah, intentionally, man. To, so good. It's not mm-hmm. supposed to stand out. It's just done that well, man. I know, and I love like the. It's so weird for me to say this, but I love how like the lettering is almost on top of his cape because it makes me right. think of like a movie. Kind of, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like that whole film sequence. It's just so good. Yeah, the last pages of Match Malone was pretty cool too. But my favorite moment came from a book that didn't even make it to my top three. But it was it was just done so good, and it looked so good, and it was the splash page of Peacemaker rocking Superboy's jaw. That was that was awesome. Yeah. Not for the content. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe a little, but it looks <laughs> it actually looks kind of pretty in a weird way. The art was yeah, cool no, as hell, it's, man. It's good, definitely. Yeah, no, my top three for this week coming in at number three. I had Batman one hundred and seven awesome read at number two i had the next batman second son and at number one rounding it out had to give it to swamp thing number two it's my favorite book out right now and i just i i i I wish it could come out every week so i could just have more of it but i wouldn't want to rush the story but my favorite panel of the week also came from batman and that comes from a, a scene between batman and oracle batman's kind of walking away from oracle and it's just i think it almost I don't even know if to to give the full credit to Jorge or to the colorist, but it's it's like Batman turned away from Oracle, and it's kind of like the clock tower is illuminating his back, but you don't really see his face, so he's almost like more shadow than Batman. Uh-huh. But it's just it's just so well done, and like I I just. I'm just so in love with the color work and the the pencil work done on that one particular image. So, yeah, I just, like I said, we've talked so much about how much we love Jorge. We could just do an entire podcast episode on that. We really good. We'll have to save that for next time. But now it's time for everyone's favorite part of the show. The biggest thinker. Oh, that's nasty. Which title made your stink list today, Rob? So before I get to my biggest stinker issue, I just want to do a kind of an honorable mention biggest stinker panel (laughs) while you were talking about Green Lantern. It's not a completely horrible panel, but I just came across it when we were talking about the issue. There's a panel during the big skirmish with the yellow tentacles where Mm -hmm. Dexstar, the Red Lantern, the kitty, shows up and he's got arms. Whoa. I didn't yeah, notice I didn't that. catch that in my first couple of reads. It, it's on. like a I'm humanoid gonna... cat. But it's definitely Dexstar. Uh, it's got the blue fur, got the ring on the tail. That's weird. Looks like a cat. Yeah, it it's kind of weird. <laughs> that's odd. 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm looking right now. Is that it's, I, I did not even notice that. Yeah. That's kind of freaky. But <laughs> besides that, my biggest stinker issue, while I still enjoyed it, something's gotta be the the least favorite, and this week was Suicide Squad. Well, it is still a lot of fun. I just enjoyed everything else more. Nice. Nice. And Josh, what did you have for your biggest stinker of the week? Well, I, honestly, I wish I didn't have to pick this one because I am curious to see where it's going. But it's got to be Crime Syndicate. It's it's curious for me because it's, like I said, man, it's the first one that I'm, I'm actually kind of enjoying. So yeah, I want to see if they drop the ball or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and for me this week, as as sad as it is to say, I had to give my biggest stinker to Green Lantern number one. It just wasn't the relaunch that I was hoping for. And I know, I know. And I'm I mean, I'm probably not as big a Green Lantern fan as you. I, I've really only read the stuff that everyone has probably read at this point, which is, you know, the the rebirth stuff, a little bit of the new fifty two and pretty much all of the the Jeff Johns Green Lantern, as well as the relaunch of Green Lantern Corps from that time. But yeah, no, it just it wasn't wasn't quite working for me this week. So I'm hoping it picks up soon, at least for me. I don't know. It sounds like everyone else had a great time. But yeah, no, that's where I was. But that is the show. So come back next week for more DC Comics talk when we'll be reviewing Batman Urban Legends number two, Rorschach number seven, Superman number 30, Wonder Woman number 771 and Joker number two. Oh, and we'll Batman the Detective because we can't ignore Tom Taylor's Batman. Oh, definitely. Not. Oh, yeah. I I I almost missed that. Thank you for <laughs> thank you for letting me know. Yeah, no, yeah. Batman the Detective. Don't want to miss that. Tom Taylor and Andy Hubert, and it's like a like a future story too. So I'm I'm hoping it's uh hoping it's great. Me too. Yeah, but. We'll see you there. And as always, you amazing humans out there, thank you so very much for listening. You are the reason why we do this. Visit campsite.bio forward slash not a robot comics to hear all of our episodes on nearly any podcast platform and patreon.com forward slash not a robot podcast for the exclusive content that we make for our patrons and from all our offerings. Kids Corner, Real Talk, Movies, TV, and more. Again, starting at just $1 a month. Visit notarobotpodcast.com, and that will take you to everywhere you need to go for everything Not A Robot. With that, there's only one way that we say goodbye around here. Until next time, be good to each other. And don't be a robot. Just stop it. I'm just gonna go. 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 I'm just